correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve, and we have a very special guest tonight. But before we get into that, there is some fly-by-night podcast we need to talk about for our podcast of the week. That would be The Forge? The Forge. Um... I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> the Forge, for any of you who don't, don't know, is um, run by GM Chris and our honorary third Steve, GM Hooley. <laughs> and it's all about the Genesis role-playing game and making stuff for it. Uh, yeah. For the Foundry and all that fun stuff. Yeah, good stuff happens over at the Forge, you know. Um, mm-hmm fuel for the fire and all that fun stuff and, yes yes and and we have officially threatened Huli that he is not allowed to come back on our show until he releases another episode of the forge doesn't mean that he won't but <laughs> he might just show up one of these days just like log into our discord and be sitting here before we log in <laughs> oh man oh Huli's a great guy chris is a great guy and they oh, both yeah. have amazing insights to share on that plus they talk with other people who also have great insights to share. So it's very, very, very good. Yeah. And speaking of great people, we have a guest this week, as you might've heard a little bit before we have Suki familiar face to the D20 network. Oh, yes. hello. Hello. <laughs> hello, everybody. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm, uh, you know, living the life, enjoying what's uh, going on right now and uh, painting a lot of miniatures. <laughs> well, that's good because um, that's what we kind of brought you on to talk about. <gasps> but uh, really? what what is the style? Are you still on hiatus with Squad Tactica or are there workings in the background that no one knows about? Uh, it's it's on hiatus. So I'm, I'm running a business right now. That's all I'm going to say about that. It's just, it eats up a lot of my life. So for my own sanity... I'm just kind of off of the podcasting barge for the moment. Eventually, we'll get back in there uh, whenever I have more time and more sanity. But got you got to pick one or the other. You can't have both. Well, so it's it's not gone. It's not like dead. It's just on hiatus until yeah. like I actually have more time <laughs> because <laughs> I'm I'm learning a lot uh, running a business, and you just kind of have to take them where you can. So free time is playing games and painting minis so that I don't become a zombie and come after people's souls. Right. Yeah, no. There you go. Okay, this seems like a reasonable course <laughs> of action. Or a big cup of green tea. That'll satiate my, my thirsts. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so now we've been wanting to actually talk about painting some for a while, but the problem is, is that amongst the Steves, only one of us paints. And it's not the one you would expect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I paint just not little bits of tiny bits of plastic like that. Oh, I was going to say it must be Hooli, but never mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so I, I just don't feel like I can really, what do you want to say? If, if just Steve and I are talking about that, I don't feel like it's a, a really interesting conversation 
I mean, it might be, and I might learn some things, but you're fun to talk to, and you know a lot more about painting than I do. And I don't know, Steve, does he know a lot more about painting than you do? Oh, a lot. <laughs> Magnitudes oh, so more than I do. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. But it's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle. It's fun. Yeah, it, it, it can be. <laughs> well, at um, this point, I'm going to more or less turn this over to you two, and I'm going to sit here and listen and interject and maybe at some point show you, because, you know, cameras and whatnot, show you the meager supplies I have, have gathered to maybe attempt to start with at some point. Oh, no. Steve's going to pull me. <laughs> yeah. So the good news is you started. That's, that's a big hurdle to get over, because a mm-hmm. lot of people watch YouTube, and they see all of these... Uh, let me let me qualify this statement before people come after me with uh, hate mail and um, you know words of not affirmation. But um, I actually worked in television and film for years before I went into um, gaming and the hobby. So uh, as an editor, I still edit on the side. I still do a lot of post production work. That's also another reason I'm not podcasting. Is when I'm at home, I'm hustling and making money with editing and stuff. <laughs> so I've done it to myself. Anywho. When you're watching a lot of YouTube channels and a lot of content, it's not in the content creator's necessarily best interest to inform you. It's in their best interest to get clicks because if they're full-time, they're trying to make money. And I'm not trying to throw any shade at anyone in any capacity, but a lot of times what you see on YouTube, these finished products, and the way that they present it, it's not necessarily accurate. And what I mean by that is you'll see people who... Say, oh, I painted this, and you know, like, one day. Well, they might not quantify that they didn't stop painting for one day. Or they painted a 24 hours total over a month. Or however, what combination you want to take. I'm not saying that they're lying. I'm just saying it's really easy for me to show you a model and say, boy, this took me no time at all. And, you know, for me, because I've been painting for, you know, 20 plus years, maybe it took me, you know, 10 hours. But mm-hmm. for a new hobbyist, a new painter that could take you many painting sessions. And so it's not helpful all the time because you hear someone say, I did this in X amount of hours. And you think to yourself, you could do that. And then you realize, no, I can't because maybe there's a lot of different reasons. And so it creates a really disjointed attitude because some people are getting their, their hobby information specifically from content creators. And I always recommend like, listen to content creators, take it with a grain of salt, but, you do you. Take your mm-hmm. own pace. Paint at a rate you enjoy. Paint things you enjoy. I can't tell you how many people I've seen paint a model. I'm like, man, that looks great. Did you enjoy it? And they're like, no. What? Why? <laughs> oh, well, you know, insert YouTuber name here said this is a fun model. Did you want to do the model? No, but they said it was fun. So I guess I thought it was fun. Well, what do you want to paint? Oh, I want to paint, you know, such as I want to paint Malifaux. I want to paint Star Wars. Well, why don't you paint that? And then there's like this giant look of, why did I not think of that? And it's yeah. like, you paint whatever you want. There's no shame or anger, hatred. If you, know, you, if you don't paint Warhammer, you're a scumbag. Or if you don't paint you know, Star Wars Legion, you're a scumbag. Marvel Crisis Protocol, like, I could name a million different companies. And there's going to be a YouTuber who would say, if you don't paint this, you know, you're a piece of trash. You shouldn't exist. And it's like, yeah, whatever. Like, you paint what you want. Because it's your hobby. I am not going to come and find you and knock on your door in the middle of the night and be like, hey, did you paint that model I told you in that one episode of my podcast? Like, I, I'm too lazy to hunt people down, and that's gross. I was going to say, I know Steve had recommended to me a guy on YouTube called, I believe, Miniac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who seemed to do, like, he's very clearly 
a at least moderately advanced painter, and I don't know enough to really evaluate him, but he also seemed to do a good job of trying to present things as beginner friendly. I'm not going to say like there was still, I'm looking at him and going, okay, yeah, but this dude's been painting for how long? He makes it look easy. It's not going to be that easy for me. Okay, that's fair. Um, I've actually talked to Scott, so uh, he's been on my show. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, him him and Ninjon are like super nice guys. They're always oh, at Adepticon. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> you should come to Adepticon. I'm going to plug Adepticon a lot, people who are listening, so just go get your tickets. It's literally $50 for the week. No joke. It's fun. But yeah, I, I do agree. Miniac does an excellent job of trying to present the hobby in a very digestible way. And I like that because more, I think more people need to take that approach. It's yes. really, it's really, really easy to, um, again, no shade to anyone, but it's really easy to kind of try and bolster yourself and try and sell yourself and try and make yourself look good. And you should, because if you're creating content, like that's kind of a part of the plan. But at the same time, if we don't help new hobbyists grow and bring new people into the hobbies, and I'm not talking about any one specific hobby, I'm just talking about like all miniatures, all painting as a generalized term, then it'll die. And a big jumping hurdle that's always kind of screaming at people's faces is cost, or I can't do that. And, you know, referencing a thing that's in your head that you're imagining that you've seen, I can't do that thing that I saw on YouTube or some, you know, form of media. And the reality is, going to like Ratatouille, that classic Disney movie with Patton Oswald, I think anyone can cook, which translates to, I think anyone can paint. Now, your first paint will, will not be great. No one's is. But your first cooking dish also was probably pretty bad too. However, you have learned to cook. Most people listening to this should have learned to cook over time. And there's some dishes that you're particularly good at because you did it over and over and you practiced. You tried new things and you improved and you evolved and you got better at it. So that philosophy still stands with a lot of things in life, including painting miniatures. The first time you paint the mini, you know, you're going to have some colors in the wrong place and maybe you covered up a little bit too much detail and maybe it wasn't the prettiest you know whatever we'll, you know we'll say space marine because that's something everybody knows or you know a star wars character you know stormtrooper but if you do number two model you'll be better at that and then when you get to number 10 model you'll be 10 times better and then when you get to model number 100 you're 100 times better and you're going to keep improving more and more and more exponentially until you get to that point that you thought you couldn't get to and now boom you're a masterful painter, and big secret, you have confidence. A lot of people don't have that confidence, and so they tell themselves, I can't do it. And that's not true. I've seen so many people say, I can't paint like X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, come here, let me, let me show you how to paint. And we'll sit down, kind of show them the ropes, and then I'll see them like six months later, and they're looking almost like the, the model they wanted to paint. And it's incredible, because they realized, I can do it. I can accomplish this. I just have to practice. And that's not terribly expensive, you know, compared to like Magic the Gathering, where, you know, to play Magic the Gathering, for example, you have to buy a lot of cards and then you have to play hundreds of games and then you have to buy more cards and play hundreds of games. With this, you can easily buy a pack of 10 models. You know, we're, again, we're going to Warhammer because that's just a very well known franchise. You know, we could say, hey, we'll do Star Wars Legion. You buy a box of, you know, Imperial Stormtroopers or whatever and you paint your first model. And if you don't like it, you can always go back and strip it with, you know, some cleaner and try again. And 
you still have your supplies. They're not invalid. You have your brushes. They're not invalid. And you just keep doing it over and over and over and over again. So depending on, you know, finances and time, there's a lot of factors that you can mitigate in order to have a very pleasant painting experience. You don't have to have the name brand brushes and the name brand... Actually, you... Paints are one thing I swear you do not want to cheapen out on because if you go to like Hobby Lobby and buy a 50 cent acrylic paint blob thing, that will ruin your models. But if you buy, you know, like Citadel paints or Army Painter paints or Vallejo, you want that high pigment, low density. That's important. But your brushes, you can buy from anywhere. You buy from Walmart, Hobby Lobby, Hobby Town USA. You can buy online on Amazon. Like the big thing is you don't have to be, you know, super name brand sponsored McGee. Just get what tools you like the most and like run with those. Okay, so I got one question here, and I, I know I said I was going to shut up, but it, I probably won't. Oh, no, please, please, please. Um, you were talking specifically about painting stormtroopers, and I hear that, and my first thing that comes to mind is, oh, they're mostly white. That should be really easy. But I have, am I overthinking it to think that stormtroopers would probably actually be a quite a challenging paint because it's so much white, and then a lot of shading to really make them pop? No, no. That is a fantastic question. I've, I've heard this question a million times, and I'm hoping that people who are listening will enjoy this conversation. So there's, there's two paths of thought to that question. Uh, one is you can manually paint the model with a hand and brush. Uh, the second is you can airbrush it. Now, I know a lot of people are probably... I, I can hear the cringe in people's minds when I say airbrush, because they're going to go, that's a lot of money. That's really expensive. And I do not disagree. It's not cheap, but it does expedite the process. However, uh, in my opinion, there's also a third option that has uh, come to the forefront. And that is a new uh, spray primer from Citadel called White Scar. And it is a really, really impressive white. Like it is a pure white. I sprayed it in um, Oklahoma over the summer in triple digits with Ooh, probably 70 to 80% humidity. And I sprayed it on a model, no bubbling, crisp, crisp coverage. And uh, you would never have known that we did it outside in such a terrible condition. So I've used it on some of my stormtroopers, and it it's almost like literally cheating. <laughs> yeah. No, I like I said, I just, you know, like it, it, part of me thinks that, oh, yeah, they're, they're all white. So you paint everything white and then pick out the details. Mm -hmm. But I, like, I, I don't know if I'm overthinking it or whatever. Cause like, well, I said, I was going to mention it. I went to Walmart because I, I wanted to try, but I didn't want to like spend 50 bucks and buy a, you know, a, an army painter kit off of Amazon or whatever. And so I went to Walmart and just bought this cheap pack of basic color acrylics mm -hmm. and was literally going to play with a bag of dollar store army men and some brushes that I got, I don't know if you guys can see these on the camera, yeah. one's from Walmart, one's from Hobby Lobby, but I think I invested a total of like $12 between the paints and the brushes. The brushes are fine, honestly. Yeah, the brushes are good. Uh, return that paint immediately. Yeah, like Sugi said, to get the cheap paint to do what you want it to do, it, I've seen people take and screw with cheap paint and get it down to where they want it to be. I honestly... The $50 army painter set will let it'll probably last you a lifetime for as much as I mean, unless you really take to it like water when mm -hmm. you're starting out that $50 army painter set is going to be great. I started with Citadel paints and I don't regret it. The only thing I regret is that now I have a bunch of dried up pots. 
just because I don't like that container. But uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, investing in good paint is something that sounds like like it sounds like, oh, yeah, I don't know that I'm gonna actually going to need to. No, that's actually one of the important steps. Getting some half decent paint isn't a bad starting point, but Army Painter is a cheap entry option. OK, so here's a couple questions for you, Steve. Are you near any hobby stores that sell multiple options for paint? So if you think about the generic like comic book store, you know, Jimmy's House of Dragons, you know, Sugi's Game Shop, whatever you want to call it, you're going to walk in and there's generally like one, maybe two types of paint, which traditionally is going to be like Citadel or Army Painter, maybe, maybe both. Or maybe some Vallejo in there. It, it just depends. Like, what do you have access to? I believe there's a shop reasonably local. Do you know off the top of my I know it's been a while since you were in there, Steve. Uh, Mr. Nice Guy. I believe they sell Citadel and Army Painter. They sell Citadel, Army Painter, and I want to say they probably carry Vallejo. What about the one out in Latrobe? They might. Honestly, the best place for you to go buy paint, if you're driving to Latrobe, go a little bit farther. Go to, um, and that's a perfect person for you to talk to. Go out to Ligonier in downtown Ligonier. There is a store called Toy Soldiers Gallery. Okay. Owner there, his name's Norm. Fantastic dude. Mm-hmm. And he will get you. He'll, he knows his stuff. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, he's probably the best painter in the area. Okay. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So, the, like I was saying prior when we were talking about painting, it's like building a computer. There's definitely places where you can give, and there's definitely places you should not give. So uh, some of the places you can kind of cheap out on are, you know, for example, fans. You need fans, but you don't need $100 fans. You can put in, you know, nine $30 fans. As long as you're getting mm-hmm. good airflow, you're safe. You do not want to cheap out on cooling. If you <laughs> cheap out on cooling, you are going to die and have to buy multiple computers. So the same thing applies to painting. You can go cheap on brushes because if you become comfortable with brushes and you learn brush control, you could buy any brush anywhere in the world and you'll be proficient. You don't need, you know, a, um, a, what's it called? You don't need a wet palette, although you'll want one. It's not a need. It's a helpful tool, but not a necessity. You could go to Hobby Lobby or you could go to Home Depot and buy a giant piece of tile for four bucks and use that as a paint palette or one of those, you know, circles with the little daubs in it from Walmart. Or if you have uh, an old sour cream container lid, those work yeah. really good too. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know. Question on that. The, when, and I know Steve has mentioned this to me before that he uses, you know, container lids. I'm guessing, though, is it important to use white ones so that you accurately see your color? No, that's a that's a misnomer. It's, yeah. it's is it is it helpful? Yes. It, is it necessary? No, no. This is a apples and oranges kind of thing. If it helps you go for it. If you don't care, then use whatever you want. Once you get. Once you get familiar with the paints you have, you'll be like, oh, I know what this color should look like. Okay. I have a great story. I was, there was a time many, many years ago, I was going to a friend's house and, and it was late. All the game stores were closed and I forgot a palette. So I didn't have access to go anywhere to buy anything. And there wasn't like a Walmart nearby. So I'm Japanese, as my name indicates, Sugi, Sugiyama. So I went to a Asian food store near my friend's house and got something called kamaboko. It's, it's a vegetable, but it comes on this slice of wood, this little bitty slab. And so I, I ate the food and I used that slab as my emergency paint palette. And I still have it with me today. And of course, it's a piece of brown wood, so I can't tell my colors nearly as well off of white. But it still works. So, mm-hmm. you know, 
you use the tools that best suit your environment because each person is different. Mm -hmm. Paint, if we're talking about painting as a computer, you cannot cheap out. However, the flip side to that statement is because I, I also hear people thinking, well, now I have to buy a $50 paint thing or I have to spend $100 on paint or I have to do all this stuff and I just don't have the money. You only need a paint that you're painting. And I know that sounds incredibly stupid, but if you're going to be painting a stormtrooper with white and black and silver, then you only need three colors. So you, you do not have to buy a giant $50 or larger grouping of paints. Go to your local game store, support them, and buy the three colors you need. And then if you need more later down the road, it's only going to be a small investment because each pot is... Eh, I think I think Army Painter is like 4 bucks. Citadel's like 4 50 So, I mean, you know, if you buy three paints, you're looking at... 15 bucks not a big deal not too bad mm -hmm. and then once you've established that prime color coding you come back and go you know what maybe i want a little red or a little gold okay that's another five dollar investment but we're talking about this this revelation could come two three four five six weeks down the road and you've already been paid so it's not like you're dumping hundreds of dollars in a moment you're just kind of slowly getting what you need as you need it and that's it okay dipping your toe as you go mm -hmm. no it makes sense like I said, yeah, I, I just, it, it's one of those, part of me is intimidated because I don't want to spend, uh, you know, and 50 bucks isn't a lot of money, but it's not nothing either. Like that's another RPG book in my brain. Yeah. And so like, I don't want to drop that and then find out that I don't like it. Or I've mentioned both of you, you know, you know I'm functionally blind in one eye, so I have almost no depth perception. And I'm going, is that going to make it extremely challenging for me? Am I going to spend this money, try it, and not think I'm good enough at it because of that? And then, so now I could have bought a book that I could read and be happy with, and now I've got these paints to sit here and stare at. And they're pretty colors, but, mm -hmm. you know. And, and I've, got, I've got a couple questions. This will help kind of get me into your ecosystem. Uh, do you all have a games workshop store or a Warhammer store nearby in the vicinity? Uh, Ridgeville, I think, which is on the other side of the city, is the nearest actual Warhammer store. Is that a far drive? Hour, hour and a half for me, probably. Okay. The closest to that would probably be... I mean, we have game stores. Probably Latrobe would be the closest that actually carries 40K, but they're not a, they're not a 40K... You know what I'm saying. Well, so the reason I say, I ask that question is uh, twofold. Each Games Workshop store actually has a little zone set up where you can paint your first miniature for free. They actually provide everything. So you get the mini for free. They have the brushes. They have the paints. They have all the supplies. So you can sit down and paint, but you also have access to that individual running the store. So you can query them about, hey... I'm new. How do I do this? Hey, I've got questions. I've got concerns. I need help. I want to learn. They are there in that store to help quell fears, to help you kind of get your footing, and you get a miniature for free, and you have someone there to help you in real time. You, you, okay. get, you, get, a, you get an ally. Another cool thing is at the start of every month, the first Saturday, which I think is coming up here this week, they have a free model of the month. You don't have to buy anything. You just walk in, you say, hi, I'm Steve. I'd like a free model of the month. And they hand it to you. And now you've got something to play with at home. Or you can do it in the store if they're doing an event or whatever. But you've got access to free models 
that cost you zero. So that's a big way to help get you in without spending a lot of money. And then at that point, I recommend, you know, buy, buy a paint pot or two to help support them because you're going to want that paint anyways, and mm -hmm. you're there, but you can kind of distill that fear of, well, what if I do this wrong? Well, that model costs you nothing and you don't have to worry about it. And again, they do it every month. So over the course of a year, you could get 12 free minis for nothing, which is great. And then um, the next thing outside of, you know, official Warhammer stores, this person you were talking about with the, t the toy soldier shop yes if this person is as good as you say they are then you could query them as well you could go in and say hey i'm steve i, I mean if you know them already then you don't have to introduce yourself but you know <laughs> I, I would walk in and be like hey i'm i'm sugi i'm new i would like to learn how to paint but you know i've got these these roadblocks that i need help with can you help me and you know if they're available to help you then great if not then you know maybe they'll be able to recommend somebody but you're trying to network with the right persons so that way, in real time, you've got a hands-on hobby buddy. So you can sit down with them and say, hey, I'll, I'll buy you a drink or you know, I'll buy you a, a burger or something. Can we do a, a quick little one-on-one -on -one session? Actually, I forgot, Games Workshop stores do that for free too. So you can always bring your models in and schedule a, a private appointment with whoever's running the shop and say, you know, I'm free on like Wednesday at, at 6 p.m. Can we sit down and talk about you know, base coding? And they're, they're literally paid to teach for free. You just have to... Pick a time, pick a day. But yeah, the, the biggest thing is if you can find a local in real life hobby buddy, that will help so much because now you have someone to kick ideas around. You've got someone you can kind of paint with. And if you need help, they can kind of help guide you, a, a teacher, mentor, whatever you want to quantify it as, because that helps a lot once you're getting started. Mm -hmm. So I, I know that I know I mentioned Toy Soldiers Gallery and he was doing... Norm will walk you through and help you get anything you want to get done done. He's a really great guy. I, I've said that already, but no, I when I started out, that's exactly what I did. I walked in and was like, "You are clearly an expert, and I am clearly a not." <laughs> and um, yeah, definitely, definitely for you, I recommend going there and checking that out mm -hmm. because it is. He's just a really good guy. I hope he's still in business. <laughs> I really hope that that's is not a one of those scary places. statement you just made. <laughs> I, I hope it's one of those places that didn't get eaten by the pandemic. Oh, I know people I can ask that would probably know. Yeah. And the biggest thing is you're going to you're going to want to form your own opinion. That's that's the big secret to, to hobbying, because there's so many different people, including myself. We're all telling you different things. You've got, you know, Miniac that you're watching. You've got Sugi who you're talking to. You're going to have. Uh, this gentleman you may visit in your local game store and we're all going to say stuff that's similar Ho hopefully it's similar if not i'm worried but we should be trying to help educate and give you options and then from that point you get to go and make the decision what brushes do i enjoy what paints do i enjoy because there's people who swear by citadel there's people who swear by army painter people who swear by vallejo there's a brand new company called turbo dork they're wonderful. Uh, there's a company called Proacryl. They're uh, monumenthobbies.com. I love their stuff. Warning, it's all matte paint, no gloss. So figure that out. They, uh, they actually have a really rich white you would like, Steve, for Stormtroopers. Um, but for example, I also recommend Vallejo. They have a really rich game white that you can get at a Hobbytown USA or probably at one of your game stores. There's, there's a lot of options at a lot of price ranges. And the fun thing is, if you're willing to be adventurous and go explore, you'll find the thing that works best for you. It might it might cost a little bit more money because you bought one or two extra paint pots to kind of try it out. But once you find that that stuff that works for you, you're, you're locked and loaded. You don't really have to shift. 
So mm-hmm. if you if you determine I really like Citadel paint, then that's probably where you want to stick. That doesn't mean you should only buy Citadel paint. It means you should you know explore other venues and other options. But you're, you're comfortable in that zone. Same thing for you know Army Painter, Vallejo, so on and so forth. Everyone's going to find that safe place where they go. This is the paint I like. This is the paint I'm most comfortable with. And this is the paint for me that gets me the best results. For the love of God, though, do not listen to complaino folks because they're going to try and go, oh, I hate such and such, and I hate such and such. And this is the best one because I said so. Those people are probably not good painters. And I hate to say that on like, you know, on the air because they're going to be like, I'm a really good painter. You might be, but your attitude isn't helping and it's causing a disservice to the hobby. Like if you're really tr- a good painter, not 90% of the painters I met that are good want to help build and grow. They don't want to bring people down and, and force them to buy a certain paint. So that's that's my warning to people. If you're going to a local store or you're trying to expand your, your horizons, if there's there's always that person around who's just going to complain and tell you this is the best thing in the whole world. It may be true, but I would take what they say with a very large grain of salt because if they're not actively trying to help and they're actively trying to project, that does not denote skill. That just denotes opinion, and that's dangerous because you can't really tell where they are on that spectrum of how good they are. Like if they have a model to show and it's really good, okay, they've shown that they paint it. But again, also people can hire people to paint. Like if, if you see them paint it in real time, okay, cool. But I've seen, I've, I know people who have hired a professional painter, they go to stores and then they want to project their opinion and they show this painted model. And I'm like, hey man, I know you bought that from such and such because I saw his commission because I helped him with it. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> what? You can't say that. I'm like, well, I, I can because you're, you're not telling people the truth. And I feel very uncomfortable with that. Now that's a very specific scenario and that's a very cringe scenario as well. But I, I just want to put that warning out. You're going to have a lot of loud people who want to tell you what to do. Make your own opinion. Don't trust everybody. Just take it, take it with a grain of salt. Even what I'm saying. Take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. Because what I do, how I paint, my ecosystem, my atmosphere is unique to me. Because I am Sugi and I'm not you. And that's the fun of the hobby is you. everyone gets to have their own custom experience. And that's what I drive so heavily when I talk to people is make it your own. Don't be Ninjon 2 or Miniac 2 or Uncle Adam 2 or Duncan Rhodes 2. Be Steve. Make it your own. because then you will help propagate more growth when people go, Steve, you're amazing. How did you do that? Oh, well, this is how I did it. And you can show them and teach them and educate them and give them you know, this excitement and this hope because now they're going to take what you have and make it their own. And so it keeps the hobby growing because everyone is unique. Not everyone is carbon copy of someone else. Yeah. Cool. So basically, I just need to get off my butt and actually try it. Well, get myself some decent paint. But yes. other than that... You've seen Miniac. He says paint more minis. That's one of the best things I've ever seen. I love it because it's true. The more you paint, the better you get and the more fun you have. And then you want to paint more and the better you get. And it's this never-ending circle of improvement. And then you get to, then you get to go to the local store and show off. And that's <laughs> fun because you go, guys, gals, folks, look at this model. And this is also a great litmus test for your local store. If people flocked, I mean, not necessarily flocked, but if people go, that's amazing. That's fantastic. They encourage you. They build you up. They're excited. And they understand that each painter is at a different level. That is a healthy store. That is a wonderful place to be because everyone is going to help build everybody else up. They're going to build excitement. They're going to help with answers and questions. It's not about 
well, that's pretty good. But look at mine. Like you're, you're not trying to outdo people. You're trying to kind of, you're part of a family. You're part of mm -hmm. a happy family that's growing together. And if you go to a store and you go, hey, look at my model. And they're like, whatever, man, I've seen better. Red flag. You might, you might want to try and find a different uh, environment for hobbyists because there's not going to be any nurturing in that atmosphere. You're going to be really excited. You're going to have worked really, really hard. And you're not really going to get much feedback from people. And, you know, every shop is different. Every atmosphere is different. But if you're, I'm, I'm talking about a very general, like super generalized opportunity atmosphere. But if you, if you can find that, like you can really find a place where people are excited and happy and they're, they're just ecstatic about what you did, even though we all know this is your first mini, then you're in the right place to become a fantastic painter. Because when you have a bad day and you say, I just don't like this mini. People are going to go, how can we help? Not, man, that looks like crap. You're terrible. <laughs> that sucks. Go buy a new model, you loser. So like the, the response from people will also help a long-term hobby lifestyle because you don't ever want to hear someone make fun of your work, ever. Even if it's not necessarily good. We're not trying, like if you show me your first model, there, I would be a total jerk if I said, man, that's not Golden Demon level. Re really shocking i didn't notice this is my first model like you're not you're not looking for validation compared to the best painters in the world you're looking for like positive reinforcement that looks great you did a fantastic job you're getting there like so that that's a big thing a lot of people also come up against and they don't realize that they go to their local store and go hey how what do you guys think about this and you know that that's it's okay well how can i improve i don't know get better wow super helpful thank you I, I appreciate your input, but you, I mean, like it's, it's in jest, it's very satirical, but we've all had that happen where you go to a, a game store or a local environment and it's not facilitating safety. So if you can get away from that and find people who do facilitate, you know, happiness, joy, safety, growth, go for it. You're not, you're not going to get a bit, how do I say this? You're never going to become a better painter if all you do is have this feedback loop of work hard get rejected. Work hard, get rejected. Because then you're just going to go, if I work hard and show this off, I'm going to get rejected. So why would I work hard? And then you, you shut yourself off. You, you stunt yourself as a painter. But if you find a feedback loop of work hard, everyone loves it, grow bigger, keep doing it, paint, work hard, find people who love it, grow bigger. Now you're improving as a painter and you're a part of a community and you're getting better and you're enjoying it. And you can keep looping this forever and ever and ever in a very healthy atmosphere. So community is important. And I know some places uh, will say, well, my local game store is an hour away. Okay, I understand. You know, there's gas and, and all kinds of costs. But when you go there, do those people take care of you? Do those people invest in you? Do those people help reinforce your love for the hobby? If so, you know, maybe go once every two weeks. You know, I'm not saying go every day or every night, but at least try and get out there because it's going to help fuel that flame and you're going to want to paint more minis. Haha, <laughs> miniac. And you're going to have more fun because when you show up at the shop, you go, hey, look, I painted the Stormtrooper. They're going to go, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then they're going to start asking questions. How'd you do that? What's your next idea? What are you, like, what are you thinking about? What are you dreaming about? And now you're in this loving, growing atmosphere where hobbying is fun and your hobby is precious and important and that's huge for longevity in the hobby okay. oh man i wish i started there <laughs> oh no nobody's nobody starts there you got to find it 
when when I started when I was playing War Machine, I I played with gray models for so long, and then I was like, I'm gonna enter his tournament, and they're like, well, you have to have at least three color painted models, and so my first painted model, and I posted it in the um in the chat room there, the green room chat. That is my first ever painted model. It is technically three colors because there is a little bit of brown on the handle. Uh, <laughs> and it qualified me to get entered. And my friends all went, that looks terrible. Never do that again. And I was like, yeah, no. All right. I'm going to keep doing this. And yeah, I, Steve, you've seen my models in person. They don't look mm-hmm. like that anymore. No, but that doesn't look. I mean, to me, that doesn't look bad. It's actually not. It's it's not awful it needed some more work i needed to spend a little bit more time with it and just pick out some more details but i was to be fair 17 and also impatient for those of you who are listening uh i play kador so i hate you for playing this model um but uh we're, we're mortal enemies now so it's a it's a jack from um privateer press's war machine and basically it's just metallic parts of the model are picked out uh, against a white primer and like i mean mechanically if you're if you're 17 and you painted this i'd be impressed i'm not gonna lie this yeah, is really good it's i i look back at it and go man i could have done a whole lot better because of where i'm at now but yeah no i i just i i remember all my friends being like that looks terrible and it's like well but it really all right whatever it was doing exactly what i wanted to do uh-huh yeah okay well I have one more kind of beginner question before I'd like to kind of turn you guys loose on maybe a little more advanced stuff. <laughs> turn you guys loose on each other. <laughs> I, I mean, I am your guest. Ask all the questions, please. I want to help. Well, we also have some some questions from some of our Patreon supporters that some get more in depth than others. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I'll ask you one right now. Cause Don't drink would, the paint. Would, do you remember Jesse? Yeah. Okay. Jesse wanted me to ask you if you lick your paintbrushes. Yeah, yes, I do. Okay. Uh, that is a natural habit. Uh, I don't know how to quantify this other than like, it's okay. Uh, however, please make sure to clean, clean your paint brushes. Cause if you lick them with paint, that's, it's now, you know, it's, it's terrible. Paint tastes dirty. I don't know. I've never, I never got into that one. You're not a real painter unless you've tasted your paint by accident. I have tasted it. I have okay, tasted you're it painter, by accident. Yeah. You're, you're a painter, yeah. It's one of those things that I don't I don't like my br- brushes, but that's because, I don't know, I just never was like, hmm, <laughs> I'm just going to lick the end of this. I was always like, well, I'll just take my fingers and sort of... <laughs> What's that Calvin and Hobbes comic where Calvin's like, I wonder what kind of guy just walked to, to a cow and said, I think I'm going to pull on these and drink whatever comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so my, my last kind of, I guess you, if you want to call it beginner question is, and I don't remember if this was before we actually started recording the episode or after, but you mentioned about painting models that you like, but mm, mm. how important is model selection very early on in your, in your painting career? You know, are there models that you should avoid just because like, I'm just going to say, tower the the weird robots in in 40k right yeah yeah they yeah i know what you're talking yeah. about okay yeah. so like I'm, I'm just gonna say like are you better off to start with say orcs or space marines and then go to say tyranids or tau because tyranids are the bugs right uh-huh yeah, yeah. nids are bugs right. yep. yeah okay so like based i mean i i know there are people who do insane levels of detail on all of them but like how conscious do you want to be early on as to 
the detail level on the models you're trying to paint. Yeah, yeah. I just want to give you a big hug because, like, that's such a great question. And th- there are there are no bad questions other than like, how should I lick this paint? That's a bad question. <laughs> um, or you know, is this a, is this paint a suppository? That's also a bad question. No. These pots smell delicious. Should I drink it? Yeah. Do I add a little bit of uh, McCraig Blue to my eggs for breakfast? Like, no, no, <laughs> no, no. That's that's also a bad question. Um, okay. So that the first of all, this is a a fantastic question. Everyone must ask themselves. Unfortunately, the answer is not super clear cut. There are two trains of thought depending on you and how comfortable you are with painting. So the first answer to your question, you know, is it important to do a simpler, you know, air quotes model? And the answer to that question is what what are you most comfortable with? What do you define as simple? Because um, we're going to go back to Warhammer because, again, that's just such a standardized hobby. Or we'll use Star Wars as well because that's also helpful. So if you think about a Warhammer 40,000 Space Marine, very, very simple model, lots of curves, no hard lines, very straightforward. Or a Star Wars Stormtrooper, a classic character of villainy, can't shoot the broadside of a barn. They sometimes get confused by elderly men, but by golly... They'll let you know when you need to tell them when there's a bad guy because you called your daughter Luna and that was a thing that happened. Anyways, in Obi-Wan. Um, so my best advice in the years I painted is find something you love. And the reason why I think that's the best answer is because no matter how complex or not complex the model is, if you see a model and you're like, wow, I want to paint this model, the drive the gusto, the fire, the passion that you have for that model will supersede the fear of how complex is this model to paint? Because there's enough content finally on the internet where if you decide, I'm going to paint an orc, I want to paint a Tau, I want to paint whatever, you have access to resources that will help you paint that model. And if you have a local community, you should also have access to painters who will give you advice on how to paint that model. Because if you go for the simple and the safe, that doesn't facilitate a model you're actually going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's just simple and safe. And so when you're done with it, you'll go, well, I, I guess I'm done with it. But if you find a model that you just love, you go, I, I have to have this model. And you paint it. The time you spend, the effort you spend, the growth, the learning, the research you do, it won't feel like a chore. Because mm-hmm. you love it. You're so excited to paint that model. And it, it fuels your flames to continue to paint it. And you, you might go into it knowing this model looks a little bit more complex than the you know, generic Space Marine model or the generic Stormtrooper model. But boy, I love it. Mm-hmm. And so you can take the approach of going with the safe one. I'm not saying that's good or bad. Mm-hmm. But I firmly believe if you find that model that just calls your name, screams your name, Steve, paint me. Pay, take me home and paint me right now. Mm-hmm then no matter how good or bad your day is, when you start painting, you're going you're gonna to have a giant smile on your face and your excitement levels are going to rise. And that is a, such a wonderful and pleasant experience because when you're done with that model, that is your model. No mm-hmm. one can take that away from you. You painted that model and you have completed the task. Okay. I understand completely what you're saying, but to, to maybe put it in, in other terms... As a as a first couple models, would I uh-huh. probably be better off to say do stormtroopers as opposed to say a Cad Bane or a um, Hondo? Okay, yeah, great. So if we take what I said about painting what you love and then apply it to 
the scale of you know easy to complex. I do think it is wiser to find simpler troop level models because your generic infantry, your generic troops have less detail and they're intended to be faster to paint because your named characters like, for example, Cad Bane, Hondo, Naka, love that guy, um, you know, Chewbacca, these are what we consider centerpieces. So if I have a hundred stormtroopers and one Darth Vader, your eyeball goes straight to Darth Vader. So you want to spend more time and more effort on the Darth Vader because people are going to go, ooh, Vader, not, wow, 100 Stormtroopers, oh my gosh. Uh, and then that's just, that's just how people are. So your infantry, your chaff models are meant to be opportunities to learn. And then you get that, you know, giant captain from your Space Marine Army or your Cad Bane or your Warjack leader and people really gravitate towards that big character so yes i do agree if you're going to start if you if you just want to paint cad bane like go for it like just buy that model and have at it also i'm pretty sure those um, individual models for star wars legion are like what 20 30 bucks they're not too terribly expensive i don't want to say they stayed like 20 dollars. yeah so i mean like you could buy a cad bane right off the bat and if you just really hate it you could buy another cad bane depending on your fiscal like situation because 20 dollars for most people, I think this is a huge assumption, but I'm going to assume that $20 for a bottle that you love, if you had to buy a second one, not the end of the world. I, I mean, or you could buy a bottle of green stuff and, or not green oh, stuff, yeah. uh, simple green simple and green. a cheap paintbrush. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, like I said, I'm just like, these are questions that roll around in my head and, and I'm sure Steve could have answered a lot of these, but we're talking about it with you. So I'll ask both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I have no complaints with what you just said. If you like the model and you want to paint it, go for it. The only thing I'll say is maybe sometimes part of the hobby is also assembling the models. And uh -huh. so being aware of the energy that might take, because that can sometimes turn people off. Because I've been there where it was like, oh, I'm so excited to get this. And then it's got a bajillion pieces and I'm way less excited to put it together. Mm-hmm. The Star Wars models aren't, well, the older models were pre-built. Right. The newer models are not too technically proficient. There's not that many pieces. So Warhammer and the, the more traditional games, so I'm thinking about like Warhammer, War Machine, Infinity, Marvel Crisis Protocol, some of those bigger names are much more into the build, paint, play combo. Mm -hmm. Whereas Star Wars from um, yeah. FFG is much more like paint play there, there is some building but it feels much more like they want to provide you with the model to just run with it kind of like song of ice and fire all the models are pre-cast so you don't have to do any building you just pull the model out and boom you're, you're good to go okay i know there's a, a group that plays at uh, one of the stores steve and i were talking about that plays a lot right now they're playing a lot of i think it's called team yankee yeah yeah that's from the company that does uh flames of war really really solid Ooh. old world war ii historicals great games i love those a lot super fun to paint the i love tanks tanks oh oh yeah and that's where you start getting into uh <laughs> look tanks are easy think... to paint yeah sure uh-huh <laughs> okay okay i i heard i could hear the future calling sugi said tanks are easy to paint what a liar uh, tanks are easier to paint than some things because you've got a a minimal color scheme yeah. like making that color scheme look good like camo that's a different topic but in terms of like paints needed and overall like it's not nearly as much as other games like if you think about like uh yeah. x-men character from marvel crisis protocol you're gonna need a lot of colors like you know you've got that gambit or that wolverine you, you know that that's a lot a tank is 
much easier in components of building and painting comparatively. Yeah, I was going to say, I can hear the flames of war guys yelling at you. Like, I can hear them being like... <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> that's that's fine. That's okay. They're a vocal minority anyways. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that, but okay. Sure, why <laughs> I'm sorry. But I, but I play that game. Am I going to flame myself for what I said now? Well, Nani? <laughs> oh, man. Any uh, other any, questions, Steve? <laughs> well, I, I want to, to remember, Ben, back to Steve's original question. I think if you can find a model that you like and that you're comfortable with, that'll be helpful. Another thing I can also recommend is talk to your local sales rep if they're not a hardcore salesperson and they're trying to sell you products. Query them. If you're if you're really trying to get something that you think would be fun to paint and easy to paint, uh, these people look at their store shelves for hours every single day, so they're gonna know really quickly. Hey, this is easier in terms of aesthetics and technicality. This is fun. This is popular, and so you can use them to kind of help guide you. Because if you're looking at a giant wall of models, that's just too much. Use use your local sales representative or person to kind of help funnel it down to, hey, what are like your most popular models? What do you think are the easiest models? And what's super cool? And so that way you've gone from, you know, hundreds of models to, well, here's three things. And now you can kind of go, I like this, I like that. And you can make a purchasing decision without having to go through every single possible option. And now that's not fun. I, I don't even like that. I love to shop. And I don't even like going to a room going, well, I, I just need to know everything about everything in this room. I'm going to kill myself. <sighs> like overwhelmed. Okay. I've got a lot to think on at this point. Does that help to answer your question? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot. I mean, like, yeah, it does. Any follow-up? Because, you know, there's a lot. What you asked is a very, very great and deep question. And there's so many branching pathways. So I want to make sure it was helpful, not just no, like... No, no, it, it very much was. Like, <laughs> it, it makes a lot of sense. And there were things that, like, to a certain point, part of me has been afraid to go talk to them because, like, I don't even know what the right questions to ask are. Or didn't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yes, correct. And so that's that's been a big help in this conversation. But yeah, like I, I'd also like, you know, because I mean, we've spent, you know, 45 minutes now talking about beginner stuff, but I know we have a couple people on our Discord who are rather active, who are, you know, reasonably good painters, at least by the looks of the things they post up. I certainly much better, more accomplished than I. And so I, I would like to hear maybe some more advanced talk, but I don't even know where to, to go with that sure you know like i know steve has expressed opinions about wet palettes before mm -hmm. and you were just talking about them and i don't know if you guys want to have some arguments about things like that i can sit here and listen for a little bit sure uh before we go on i do want to challenge yourself steve and everyone else listening to accept where you are in your painting journey no no painter is bad no painter is inadequate no painter is in any negative sense, because you're right where you need to be, and you're as good as you can be. So I always think people should never talk down about any of their skills, because your skill, Steve, right now is absolutely better than someone else listening to this. And someone else listening to this is going to be better than someone else also listening to this. So it's not relevant that you put yourself on a scale. It's relevant that you accept that you as a painter are on a journey. And you're in your younger years. So that doesn't make you good or bad. That just means you're improving and learning and becoming masterful at your skill. Again, like cooking. Fair. <laughs> All right. Wet palettes. A fantastic conversation. 
so for those who don't know, a wet palette is mechanically a container, so whatever you want to imagine, with a sponge, with some water, and then a small piece of paper on the top. And what you do is you put your paint on the paper, and the sponge underneath keeps that paper moisturized and hydrated, so that way you can use that paint over a longer period of time, as opposed to putting paint on, say, a tile or a piece of wax paper, and then you know the airflow in your room will progressively dry out the top layer of the paint, and it'll dry itself out. So you'll hear a lot of painters talk about a wet palette, and they'll, they'll say it's amazing, and it's uh, fantastic, and blah, 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 and it is useful. It is absolutely a useful tool. It is not necessary. Yeah. There's, there's a large discussion and debate about, you know, do I, do I need a paint palette? Do I need a wet palette? What do I need? How do I need? Who should I buy it from? I, I can actively say I've bought, hold on, let me look, five wet palettes from multiple companies. They all work well. They all do different things. They are fantastic tools, but do I need it? If I, if I don't have this wet palette, will I not be able to paint models? No. I can absolutely paint models without a wet palette. So this falls into a range of you as the hobbyist have to discern, is this something you need? Is this something you want? Is this something you want to try? There is no, in my opinion, um, no, actually in my professional opinion, uh, because I'm competing for Golden Demon next year. I'm so excited. But um, when it comes to tools, other than paintbrushes, it's all, or I guess paintbrushes and palettes, like you need something to paint on other than your skin, because that doesn't work. I've tried. You're, you're going to have to make the discernment of what works for you and your ecosystem. Is it helpful? Yes, absolutely. It's super helpful. It's going back to the PC building thing. Do I need a glass case where I can see through to all of my parts? No. Is it expensive? Yes. But is it helpful to see when there's dust building up or like there's a loose cable? Yes. But again, do I need it? No. So this falls into, you know, what are you comfortable spending your money on? What are you comfortable with your ecosystem? What are you comfortable using? And that, that's my take on it. I don't think it's, you know, good or bad. It's just useful. Yeah, sure. I, I don't disagree with you. I've never used a wet palette in the entire time I've painted minis. Ooh, okay. I do recommend trying it. If you can go to like a game store and they have a demo copy or something like that, give it a try. It does change the way you see painting. But some people are like, I hate this. Cool. Some people are like, I love this. Cool. I don't think I'm going to like it, though. Why not? I'll tell you why. Because a lot of people that use wet palettes already thin their paints. And I feel that a lot of the minis paints are thinned enough that I can, with a very light coat of paint, uh-huh. not have to thin them any farther. And I found that a lot of people talk about wet palettes and wet palettes do automatically thin paints. And even though it keeps your paints fresher longer it is sort of a a, also a thinning agent and i don't want thinner paints we need daft punk to do a song about that fresher longer thinner faster (laughs) i just want i just like i feel that it's i don't know for me personally i just go with lighter coats and i go with less paint on my brush when i go into brush okay very valid um here's a question how long do you paint during a paint session generally Uh, on average whatever time i have um like a nutshell a time you know 20 minutes 30 minutes six hours yeah somewhere four ish hours okay at a session sure so do you have a lot of airflow in your room to like like fans or air, really. like not, hvac 
not a ton. I, I, I mean, normal air conditioning, but not a ton of airflow. I'm, I'm really good about like, it was, especially if I have the, um, the army painter cups or not the army painter cups, the games workshop cups. Oh, with the ridges, the gray ones. Yeah. Yeah. I just open and close those or, Oh, Oh, the paint pots. Yeah. Yeah. The paint pots. Or if I'm using army painter droppers, I'll use a, just a normal dry palette. Just put a little bit. I'll just put a little bit on. And then if I need more, I'll just put a little bit more on. Yeah. I'm okay. a, I'm a less is more kind of person when it comes okay. to putting my paints out. Cool. So the reason I ask those questions is uh, traditionally people who use a wet palette are looking for an opportunity to keep their paints wet because of one or two major things. One, long sessions. So they're going to be painting all day. Right. So they might have like a special mixture of paint or they're going to be painting, you know, 50 Marines, Space Marines or, you know, 20 Stormtroopers or something. And so they want to be able to put a large amount of paint on the palette. They don't want the paint to dry and they want to be able to just access that paint immediately over a long period of time. Uh, The other thing that wet palettes are good for is if you're doing a very unique, like custom. uh, So think about like Warhammer 40,000. A lot of people like to do custom colors, custom chapters for their space Marines. Yeah. If you're doing a custom mix, that would be really nice to be able to just keep that wet. Yes. Yes. So a dry palette would be a literal nightmare because once you get that proper mix, you don't want to have to do it 50 million times. So you do this big blob of a paint mix on your wet palette. And then when you're done painting, you, you seal it with your, your top part because the idea for wet palettes is not only do they keep the paint wet while painting, but they have a full air seal. So traditionally you can keep your paint wet depending on the company, depending on the seal uh, at the very worst. I've had paint stay wet for two days and at the very best i've had paint stay wet for upwards of a week oh, so okay. yeah. if i want to work on a project where i don't want to have to remix my paint frequently that's the wet palette but for what you said where you're just using a little dollop of paint and you're doing it in whatever capacity you probably don't need a wet palette <laughs> because that's not useful for your ecosystem yeah i i, I think that's sort of if i was still into minis wargaming like i used to be i would probably be all over a wet palette yeah but at this point in my game a lot of my painting is one-off 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 yeah you, you know what i mean it's these little yeah. one-off models that are nothing oh that reminds me another actually really big benefit for a wet palette is painting at your local game store yeah that's yeah, true that you could just load your paint up before you leave and then paint at the store and come home well not even that um you you could do that it's hard because you want to make sure that your paint palette is like flat and doesn't like tip over but you don't need a huge space for your paints and some stores have a lot of airflow some stores you don't have great space for all of your stuff like some some stores are small some stores are big some stores are loud some stores this sounds like a dr seuss book some game stores are but I digress. So a paint palette is easy to throw in a backpack, go to the game store, throw some water in the the paint palette, and now you can easily hydrate your paints. Also, if you forget your thinner, you're safe. Sometimes Mm -hmm. people forget that because you want to thin down your paints on your dry palette every once in a while if you're doing a trick or a glaze or something. But again, it really falls down to personal preference. It's it's a option, not a forced... Like, you must have a brush to paint. You must not necessarily have a wet palette to paint. Right. 
yeah it's a it's all a personal preference thing yeah now i'll say this i've never enjoyed uh i don't like painting at my local game store <laughs> oh oh pray tell why why this i i've tried it a couple times i find it's too distracting as somebody with adhd uh-huh i prefer to be at home and okay. have like my music on and doing my own thing rather than trying to do it and then i also have a little bit of a performance anxiety goes back to those days when my friends were you know certain kinds of people yeah. and would be like yeah. that sucks and so now i'm like a little bit like gun shy about doing painting in front of other people because i know from what i've watched online my painting technique is backwards <laughs> you know what every painting technique had to start somewhere you might be yeah. on to the next new painting technique yeah i uh, yeah yeah you never know. I've seen some I could people just be go, wrong. <laughs> that is also a possibility. It's I just hate discounting people because I've seen I've seen people who are like, I'm brand new to painting. And they'll do something. I'm like, where did you learn that? What do you mean? That that's a pretty advanced technique. Oh, I just thought that looked cool. And it's like, what what? Okay. Oh, okay. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> that's how, oh, that's how I stumbled across my uh leatherwork technique. I uh, I thought I had invented it some I thought I had invented something. I was like, oh man, I, I discovered this and then I realized it was just dry brushing. <laughs> you know, everyone is something to bring to the table. I don't care how new you are, how inexperienced or experienced you are, everyone is something that someone else can pull from. Yeah. Because we all see painting in a different light. And I guarantee both of you, Steve's, have something you could teach me. Because I don't know everything. And if I say I know everything, I'm an absurd person. <laughs> Now, okay, so I got a couple more questions. And these, because I hear people talking about dry brushing and washes, uh -huh. and I've done a little bit of research and I understand kind of the principles behind them. But are washes effectively just extremely thinned out paints, or is there a special something to them in addition to that? Ah, a fantastic question. Another, you are like two for two on fantastic questions, my friend. Oh, I've only asked like 17, so. Two for could, two is pretty good. I don't know. I mean, like, one a little bit. <laughs> we're getting to the Patreon questions. That, like, actually, all oh, I haven't got there really yet. But... Oh, oh, ooh, spicy. They actually, they actually asked some pretty serious questions in the Patreon chat. Well, the answer is forty-two. As far as the washes go, they're usually think of so you have a general understanding of the consistency of paint, right, Steve? Yeah, yeah. I've done like automotive. Not like a lot of it, but I've done like automotive painting and stuff like that. A lot of washes are more of the consistency of ink where they flow and they're easier to push into dark areas. So like blood. Where, yeah, like blood. Whereas like a dry brush <laughs> technique is what you're bringing out the highlights with. Usually a wash, you're bringing out the lowlights. in. A wash is where you're putting your shadows in by just adding a little bit of, of dirt and grime and mud Ogren flesh is the go-to that everybody and their mother uses. And it's just a brown wash. Mm -hmm. And and it just what it does is it settles into the corners and crevices of the model and picks out the lowlights of the model. It's a really easy way for and I found this for myself, it's an easy way for new painters to get a lot more detail than they would, you know. Yeah. Okay. So I understand you can buy wash paints. Is it theoretically possible? Let's say I'm I'm painting my first model and I want to do a little bit of a, a wash effect to bring out some of those low lights. Can I just get like a black or a dark Brown and thin it way the heck out? Or because I read yeah. somewhere that there's some, 
specific chemical in washes that changes the surface tension and something else. So the answer is yes, but the really good answer is you probably should not actually do that. Yeah. Uh, so, so here's why. Thinning a, so taking a black paint and adding a significant amount of thinner to create a wash Makes will do two things. <laughs> um, well, it, it's going to be unreliable because mm-hmm. if you wash today with that mixture and then you try and create it two weeks down the road, it will not be the same consistency and your models will not look the same and you're going to get frustrated. Mm-hmm. Another thing is if you overdo the amount of thinner and you try, like the, the, the chemical, the mechanical balance of finding the right ratio of thinner to paint to create an ink is hard. And I'm a firm, now this is a personal philosophy, but I'm, I'm a firm believer that time is money and I would much rather give a store money for their wash so I can dip my brush in and wash it right now than spend any amount of time trying to formulate something that's even similar. Uh, also, again, I, I'm very blessed that I have a, a good job and I don't, for me, I don't see the cost of a wash as negli- or as, as critical to my financial status. Mm-hmm. So... I, I'm all about supporting local game stores, so I would rather give a my local game store that I want to survive and stay around whatever it costs for a pot of wash because it's going to be between like $6 to $8. So, okay, maybe I don't go out to eat today, but I have this wash. Another thing is most washes will last you years, mm-hmm. and it's the simplicity. I'm paying for the simplicity of I don't have to think about it. I just dip and go. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I used just... to have the... Oh, sorry. No, I was just because my brain goes to edge cases. Mm-hmm. Steve is used to this, but like, let's just say for some reason I wanted to do like a, a yellow or an orange wash on something. Yeah. Okay. Are those actually available reasonably? Yes. Okay. Yes. Games Workshop yep. has actually just dropped, I think about a month and a half ago, they came out with a brand new line of uh, 25 contrast paints and 70 washes. So now they have an entire spectrum of colors you can use from every possible pigment. So you can use their shades as a wash. You can use their contrasts as a wash with a little bit of contrast medium. Basically, it's like a one-to-one ratio. You take one drop of contrast paint, one drop of contrast medium, and you've got a wash. Um, Vallejo uh, has a huge swap of colors for their washes army painter does as well the the game has evolved so back in the day everyone's washes were like brown and black mm-hmm. now pretty much every color on the spectrum is imaginable is available readily available too not just well you have to order this from our specialty department it's in yeah. the store right now well and i think and you can maybe speak to this better than i can but the contrast paints really changed that Ooh, oh boy that's yeah it's true contrast changed the game because ev- once contrast came out everybody's trying to come up with, you know, something similar because uh, Army Painter has Speed Paint. Yeah. I, uh, there's another one. I, I cannot remember. I think it's Vallejo that has a contrast-like paint. But yeah. Vallejo just came... Oh, it wasn't too long ago they came out I with know. it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's some of my brains like... <laughs> no, uh, it's a little bit of backstory. I've, <laughs> um, I think we need to sort of maybe define what contrast paints are, but when uh, they... Yes. Uh, what I'll say is when they first came out, I went to the I went to the paint store and I was like, oh, sweet new colors in in Games Workshop pots. I'm going to get a bunch of these. And I got a bunch of the contrast paints and I did not understand what they were. Oh, it no! was incredibly like these are terrible. What is going on? All right. So uh, we're going to go back in the the way, way back time machine for all you know who I'm talking about. And if you don't, 
I'm sorry. Good times. Anyways, so back in 2019, in the pre-COVID days, there was a uh, an invention created called Contrast. Ta -da -da -da. And the, the essential idea behind Contrast was, uh, this was from Games Workshop. So you prime your model with a specific primer. I, I, th I think it was, it was Wraithbone and Gracier. Yes. So, so Wraithbone yes. is an off-white eggshell color. And Gracier is a light gray. So the, the concept was you use the Wraithbone for warmer tones and you use the Gracier for cooler tones. Mm -hmm. And then you find a contrast paint of your choice. You crack it open. You dip a brush with a big belly. So they have these shade brushes that have a fine tip, big belly to soak up all that contrast paint. You slap it on the model and you don't actually paint the model. You just maneuver the contrast paint over. And what happens is if you think about a stained glass window, it's a similar effect. So the contrast paint stains the pigmented color onto the model, and then in the recesses of the model, it dries like a shade or a wash. So with one pass of your brush, you're getting a base coat color on the mid and high tones of the model, and then in the recesses of the model, you're getting a shade that is of the same color. So now you can base coat models in seconds yep. versus having to prime a model and then paint it by hand with a base coat and then shade it by hand and it basically took two major steps of the process combined it into one and all you have to do is basically move a paintbrush you, you don't even have to have any painting skills you just have to maneuver a paintbrush this is another cool thing that you can do at your local games workshop i know i'm plugging a lot of different companies and things as we go but games workshop stores in that little area i was telling steve about where you can paint a mini for free they have contrast paints you can try for free so you can go in at any point in time if you're not comfortable, or you've never tried a contrast paint, and say, hey, um, here's my name, here's my game, I want to try your contrast paint. And they'll go, sure, come here, take a seat. Also, you can talk to your local friendly game stores. I don't know if all of them do it, but here, I live in Oklahoma, some of the other game stores locally, because we have a, a games workshop, a Warhammer store, uh, some of the other stores also have painting stations where you can try contrast. So you know, just talk to your local game store and say, hey, do you do a demo for contrast paints? Can I try it out and see what they have to say? But so the idea of the history of contrast paint was trying to make painting easier and more approachable. It's not a end all be all. It is just another tool in your toolbox to speed up your process because you're going to want to add some additional colors over the contrast when it dries. But now you've covered, you know, for example, go to a um, Space Marine or a Stormtrooper. You can prime the model in white. Cover it with a white contrast paint, which makes it look very clean, very crisp. And then when it dries, all the crevices have a dark shaded area. And so now, if we're thinking about a stormtrooper, all you have to really do is paint their gun and maybe right. highlight a few areas in their crevices where the armor has that black undersuit, and you're done. Yeah. No, okay. I, I, I when I didn't get the contrast paints, I was like, what is this? And I did the research. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh, oh, noted. Tastes like garbage. Don't <laughs> don't lick it. Don't lick your brush. I did that once. I dipped my brush, painted the model, forgot to rinse the brush, and I licked it, and I just sucked contrast right into my mouth. And ooh, it's it's nasty. I'd rather lick paintball. I've been I've been shot in the mouth with paintball. That stuff's gross too. But man, like contrast is nasty. I just remember the jokes that came out when the contrast paint came out. That you could just take your model and dip the whole thing into the pot uh -huh. of contrast paint, pull it out, and it'll be painted. Yep. yep. <laughs> One actual, how long does it, like, like you're talking about all these different layers of paint and the different colors. How long do these paints take to dry? Because like my background is like painting, you know, like motorcycles or cars mm -hmm. or, you know, spray and like 
you have to let it set up for a while or it's going to bleed. And like that, I know with a miniature, yeah, you're, you're looking to have those clear defined lines in most cases between your colors. Mm-hmm. So to me, if I would paint on it too quick, I'm going to get those colors are going to contaminate each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yes. Question. Yeah. Go ahead. Sue. I'll let you. So this is relevant to a couple things. Um, it's relevant to how thin is your paint? So if you ever watched the good old classic British guy, Duncan Rhodes from Games Workshop when he was doing videos, he'd always say it in his you know British accent, you've got to thin your paints down for two thin coats, mate. And I'm pretty sure that was Australian, so please don't shoot me. But um, the, the idea is if you dip your brush into a paint pot and slap it onto the model, it's going to be pretty thick. So it's going to need some time to dry. If you dip your brush in your paint pot and then put it on a palette and then add some thinner and then do multiple thin coats, it's going to dry much faster. If you use contrast, there's two answers to this question because there's the 2019 formula and then the 2022 formula. So the 2019 formula, the original one that came out, is a little takes a little bit longer. If you, if you can even find this formula anymore, because Games Workshop basically reformulated all their contrast line 100%. So you'd have to f- buy this from somewhere else because they don't really exist technically anymore. So if you have old contrast paints from 2019, it's probably going to take about a minute to dry. It's pretty fast. It's very quick. The new contrast paints that just came out a month ago dry a lot slower. Not why well, I guess I should quantify. Not a lot slower, but it takes maybe two to three minutes. And the reason why is because there's more thinner and more hydration in the new contrast paint. So if you use the new contrast and then you decide, wait, I don't want this contrast on this model part. So for example, con- uh, we're contrast painting a stormtrooper. You accidentally get some contrast on your stormtrooper's rifle because the paint doesn't dry as fast. You can hydrate your brush with some water, clean it off and then wipe that contrast off before it dries, and so it doesn't stain that part of the model. So technically, the newer contrast drying slower is a feature, because in the olden days, when you slept your contrast on and it dried, now you're locked into that. You can't do anything about it, and you're just kind of like, uh, oops, I messed up. Now you have the opportunity to go back and fix it. Or the other thing that happened with a lot of people is you, you put contrast on the model, and maybe you forgot to move your brush around enough, and there's kind of this big blob of concentration of contrast. So in the old days, it would dry, and now you have this giant blob of color, and it looks kind of funky. Now that it doesn't dry as fast, you can go back and go, oops, I, I have too much contrast on the helmet of my Stormtrooper. So you just rub your brush over it, and you reallocate it over the model, and you're fine, and it doesn't look silly. So it dries, and yeah, and and because I know Steve's going to ask this next. So it's, it's roughly minutes it dries. Okay. Yeah, roughly. <laughs> roughly. If, Not if you have like, thin paints, it could be seconds. It could be really, really fast. Yeah, I, I've definitely been in spots where it's like, okay, I'm going to paint this, and then I'm going to move on to that next spot that gets the same color. And by the time that's done being painted, I can go back with my next color on that first spot. Yes. Um, it's, it's usually by the time, typically, until you're picking out highlights, by the time you get to the next color you're ready to use, the first color that you put on is usually dry. Okay. Yeah, like I said, that was just something, again, yeah, not having done me, it, but I was curious about that. I'm actually really intrigued to see your painting, because if you painted motorcycles, I know for a fact you're going to be really good at painting minis, because you, you know the fundamentals. Yeah. Well, automotive or motorcycle, whatever, that's all in the prep work and getting your primer on, sanding the crap out of it, and spraying even. But I've told people before, in that context, putting the color on you can't make a great paint job 
at the color stage. Once you're putting color on, it's you can ruin a paint job, but you can't make a good one. Right. But you understand the importance of patience and taking each step sequentially. And not everybody comprehends that information. They just want to slap paint on the model and it, it'll magically look good. And you've already established one of the most critical foundations of great painting is you, you have to take your time. You can't, it's not a race. It's never a race when painting because a lot of people think, oh, I got to get this painted done like right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. And then they go, wow, there's a lot of boo-boos and a lot of errors and I have to go back and, and fix it. If you're, if you're willing to take your time and be patient, you can really make something magical happen with very little skill. Skill is not nearly as important as patience, in, in my humble opinion. I agree. Yeah. Well, we do have some Patreon questions. I think we're going to go ahead and dig into those. Okay. 42. Yeah. I'm Ron Burton. Let's Burgundy. see here. I love scotch. Scotch, scotch, scotch. What's this? Where do we start here, Steve? Well, they, they kind of consolidated them into those bottom three posts. Oh, cool. Sweet. I'm in a glass cage of emotion. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Xenothal priming or Xenothal highlighting, I think is what it's referred to as now. He, he threw Baxter. The man threw Baxter. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop quoting stupid things. No, um, you're okay. fine. So Xenothal painting, for those who do not know what that is, traditionally imagine a model of choice. We paint it black. Then we take a lighter color, traditionally white, and we spray from above to simulate a light source. So you're going to have this natural gradient where the top of the model is the brightest or whitest if you're using white on black. And then as you go down the model, it progressively becomes less pronounced of a white. And so you have this natural gradient. And then you paint onto the Zenithal primed model and the colors mimic that prime where the top of the model is the brightest and the bottom part of the model is the darkest and it transitions naturally as if you were standing under a light or under the sun or whatever. And that's what Zenithal priming is. Uh, to answer the question about, correct me if I'm wrong, they were asking, like, should I Zenithal Prime? I think they were just asking what you think of Zenithal Priming, not necessarily oh, anything. Okay. <laughs> so um, it's it's a tool. It's a tool in the toolbox. Yep. So it's dependent on what story you want to tell. And this this is a philosophy of mine. Every single model every person paints is telling a story. You, as the painter, get to pick what that story is. So for this example, if I Zenithal Prime a model simulating a light source, we're going to go right back to Star Wars and pretend we're on Tatooine. So, you know, let's use our imagination. You know, ripple waves. What do they use in Star Wars? The aforementioned circle fade. No, it's not a fade. It's a wipe. The circle wipe. So we're sitting on Tatooine. Okay. I am going to paint my Tusken Raider you're going to paint your Tusken Raider. So if you decide to use a Zenithal Prime, your Tusken Raider is going to look, and you know we're, we're, we put them on the table to play a game, your Tusken Raider is going to look like it's under the sun. It looks like there's a light source above it, and that looks cool. I paint my Tusken Raider with no Zenithal Prime. And although, again, I'm not trying to say Zenithal Prime is better or worse, but my Tusken Raider has no light source. It's just colors. So thematically especially if we're playing on a table that looks very sandy, very Tatooine-ish, your model, because of the way you've painted it and the story that you're telling and the technique that you've used, it's going to pop out a lot more than mine because mm. mine is just going to have color and paint where it's supposed to be. Yours is going to have color and paint and that Zenithal Prime is going to make it look like 
oh, there's there's like this like light source coming from above. What is that? Oh, well, you know, these Tuscans are out in the desert sands and they're tracking something and we're not sure what it is. Maybe they're hunting for food or they're tracking prey or quarry. So it's it's a story. Oh yeah, looking looking for Boba Fett. Where's that Boba Fett? Boba Fett. Uh, but it's it's a storytelling technique. It's not necessary. It's not a pro. It's not a con. It's just a tool in your toolbox that you might choose to use. You might not. Yeah, I had a buddy when we first got into 40k. I Zenithal primed and did a whole bunch of chaos. Ooh, uh, which legion? It was whatever whatever one has all the stupid wraiths all the hold on sounds like corn yes it was corn it was definitely yeah. corn blood but, for um, the blood god skulls it, for the skull throne. he had all these he had all of these little uh, i'll call them disposable figures uh, <laughs> they were the um i don't remember what they're actually called the little like humanoid-ish figures anyways cultists Oh, cultists. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a whole bunch of cultists. And I I set them all up on my table the way they would be arranged, like, on the table when they're laid out. Mm -hmm. And I Xenothal primed the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And, man, that came out cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Cool effect. Very cool effect. Super cool. Yeah, Yeah, it's a a fun tool to have in the bag. Yeah, I thought this was a chemical compound in the priming we were talking about. Nope. Nope. (laughs) It is a don't a, don't huff your paint, kids. Don't do yeah, that. Don't no don't no huff paint. This is bad. Make sure you spray paint outside in a well ventilated area. Uh, Jesse wants to know what seal coat you use. Oh, another fantastic question. So I seal with the Games Workshop uh, varnish. Uh, for those of you who may or may not know what that means, when you're done painting a model, you want to seal it with some kind of coating because uh, as you touch the model and if you show it off to other people, or you go to your local game store and play games, people's fingers are going to touch the model, which means there's going to be grease and dirt interacting with your very hard-earned paint scheme. And if you don't varnish your model, it's going to rub off the paint over, you know, weeks or years of touching. And then you look at the model and you go, "Uh uh-oh, something doesn't look right. There's like this rubbed off part on the model. What do I do? Time to repaint. Yeah, (laughs) time to repaint. Oh, no. Or to save your, or I'll poison him with this to save on postage. Crunk, pull the lever. Anyways, um, don't don't judge me. I just watched that movie. <laughs> it's the Emperor's New Groove is hilarious. Everyone should watch it. It's on Disney Plus. Corporate shill. Anyways, so a a varnish of choice. It doesn't matter really who you use or what you use. I just like the rattle can from Games Workshop because it's easy and it's super effective, like a Pokemon. So yeah, if you varnish your model, uh, two things happen. You protect the model. And that way, people touching the model don't actually touch the uh, paint. They're touching the varnish. So if you're playing a lot and letting people touch your model a lot, you might want to kind of touch up the varnish every so often. Or the other thing is it gives the model a nice sheen, and it's great for displaying. So Mm -hmm. it's a nice... You can get gloss coat varnishes, or you can get matte coat varnishes. So you can have your model look glossy with a nice shimmer, or you can matte it down where there's no shimmer. If you need to know, it's M-A-T-T-E for Google, matte varnish gloss varnish um, the other thing you can do as a painter is you can do a base coat you can do your shade and everything up to edge highlighting varnish the model then you can do your edge highlighting and if you screw it up you can just scrub it off and you go back to the varnish state and then re-highlight the model yep 
So there's a lot of trick. Or there's another fun trick. You can say you're doing something that's like metal. You can paint your metallics, varnish, and then paint, say, a color over top of it. Uh Uh-huh. And just scrub that color right off of it mm-hmm. <laughs> and get a really nice weathered effect. I used yeah. to do that all the time with, with especially the war machine models I would take and varnish and then put a paint coat over top and rub down to the rub down to the paint underneath. So mm-hmm. there's cool stuff you can do with varnish. Very cool. Very, very cool. It's a clear coat covering for your model. So you can do stuff like that. And uh, what's really nice is, um, I can't say for any other company because I don't use them, but I know Games Workshop has pots of the varnish. So you can paint with a brush varnish onto specific spots of models to get specific effects. So, for example, I play uh, Eldar. Don't mm-hmm. at me. And Eldar have these stones, and they're supposed to be like these gemstones, and they shimmer and supposed to look really cool because they're glowing with ethereal energy. <laughs> and so a really easy way to give them that really cool glow effect is paint a color I like and then slap on like two layers of gloss varnish and it just shines like greasy head on a sweaty Tuesday, but with a nice, you know, blue or green emeraldy soulstone color. And, you know, it's just a super cool effect. So you can use it for all kinds of different things. Man, I wish I knew what that stuff was called. I, uh, I had a bottle of stuff that was given to me that was a matte varnish that I really loved and I used it up and I can't remember what it was called, but I switched to the army painter matte varnish, which... Yeah, it's great too. Yeah, every single company has plenty. You can get the little paint pot of it too for the for the um, to paint it on. Yeah, I do like me a matte varnish though. <laughs> yeah, uh, for those who don't know, a majority of my hobby collection is Games Workshop IP. So I have a, I pretty much have every army from both Warhammer Forty Thousand and Age of Sigmar. So my my personal ecosystem is very heavy into Games Workshop stuff, including you know their paints and their products and so on and so forth. Like. I play everything, so I've got most of you know Marvel Crisis Protocol. I've got a huge you know Panzer army from Flames of War. I've got an Infinity army. I've got you know the Batman miniatures. Like I've got Song of Ice and Fire. I've got everything. So I'm I'm not like pro one way or the other. It's just out of the many dollars and hours I've spent, I have mostly Warhammer. So that's where a lot of my gear and stuff comes from. But I also will say I have all of, I have every army painter paint. I have a wide variety of Alejo paints. I'm probably at the end of the year going to buy the entire line of Pro Acryl um, just because they came out with a bunch of new stuff at the uh, mid middle of the summer, which I knew was coming because uh, I talked to them at Adepticon. Again, come to Adepticon. You two, Steves, come to <laughs> Adepticon. It's fun. It's, fa- it's family friendly. Actually, uh, technically, if you're not participating in any events, Adepticon is free. You do not have to pay for a badge. Or actually, I should clarify. You used to not have to pay for a badge. They started asking a really expensive amount of, I think, $6 because they were trying to limit the amount of people because of COVID. Um, But if they get rid of the COVID restrictions, it's free. Uh, But last year, because they were trying to be safe, they limited the con to, I think it was like 3,500 people. So they just wanted to try and keep tabs on folks. But once they get past that, yeah, it's, it's literally a free con. You could just show up. You could shop. You can paint. You can participate in all of the events that are free the only reason you pay for the ticket is if you're doing like a class you're playing in a tournament i just give them my money because i never want them to go away i don't really maybe this year i'll participate in an event but last year i was just goofing off and shopping and eating much deep dish pizza 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, so a couple more questions. This one I'll sort of condense. Mm-hmm. How much airbrushing do you do? Do you do a decent amount of airbrushing? Yes. Okay. So Patreon asks, when you airbrush, how do you shade? And then also, do you brush after airbrushing? Meaning, do you put more paint on after airbrushing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't airbrush. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. These are fantastic questions. So, and I don't say that unsincerely, like these are very, these are like staple questions. Most people are going to ask. So kudos on y'all for asking all you Patreons, you lovely, gorgeous people. So airbrushing is a tool in the toolbox. You can use airbrushing for base coating. You can use it for Zenithal highlighting. You can use it. So there's something called object source lighting, OSL. You'll hear this term. It is similar to Zenithal. So mechanically, Zenithal is above the subject matter, simulating a sunlight effect. OSL, object source lighting, would be like simulating a lightsaber effect. So if you have your Darth Vader holding your lightsaber, the OSL effect would be you've painted your Darth Vader completely, and then you have this really light glow, like parallel to where the lightsaber would be to his figure. So if he's holding the lightsaber in front of him, you know, arms extended, holding the lightsaber up, then you would have an OSL of red in like his facial, like at the top of his helmet, going down his face mask, down to his chest, if we can mm-hmm. imagine that. So you can use your airbrush to simulate that because painting it by hand is really, really tricky. But with an airbrush, you can very lightly airbrush that red. So you have a very soft kind of gradient-esque glow simulating that the light is coming from this lightsaber. You can use airbrushing for, you know, layering. Some people use it for like edging models i don't i'm very traditional i like to use my brush because i feel like i have more control but um to answer the patreon question you can use your airbrush in many different combinations you can i paint over my airbrush so 90 percent of the time i'm using my airbrush for uh, mass base coating on like tanks and giant vehicles or i'm using it for small details or like graffiti work or I'm using it to um, simulate like i said osl object source lighting effects from oh you know Lightsabers are an easy one. I've done that with all my characters. Or like if you have a Space Marine or a character from Warhammer 40,000 with like some kind of plasma weapon, you can easily do like a quick plasma glow. It's like, it's going to fire. I'm charging my laser. So you can do pretty much whatever you want in whatever combination with an airbrush. It's an additional brush. So if you see it that way, it's just a tool where you can you can paint a model by hand and then airbrush something on, or you can airbrush your base coat and then paint your um, details by hand or whatever, realistic. I hope that answers the question. I know it's a super generic answer, but you're not limited to one way. Yeah, I think that'll answer his question. Okay. Next up, have you ever been intimidated by somebody else's skills? Oh, that is an excellent question. So, not anymore. When I, yeah. was, when I was first starting, absolutely. And the reason why I have all of this knowledge to spit out is I've been very blessed to have people smarter, wiser, more experienced than me input that knowledge into my brainstem. Um, because when I first started, yeah, I, I was exactly the same as pretty much everyone else. I see the picture on the box art and I go, well, I can't do that. I'm just going to be a mediocre painter at best. And I said that once and I had someone like whip around and go, don't you ever say that again. I'm like, oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. And he goes, you don't say that again. I'm like, well, why? I'm not a good painter. And he goes, you don't know that. It's like, what? He goes, you have no idea how good of a painter you are. I'm like, okay, that's fair. But I, I feel like I'm bad. He goes, well, that doesn't mean you're bad. That's just an assumption. I'm like, oh, ooh, shots fired. You're not <laughs> wrong. But like, he, he challenged me to reassess my, my perception of myself. And that was, that was great. Changed my game completely. 
But yeah, when I first started, it was it was really hard because you've got, you know, the white door from Games Workshop. And it's like, oh, these are professional painted models. I can never do that. And then you've got the box art from your Warhammer 40,000 model. Oh, yeah, I, I can't do that. And then you see your friend painting. You're like, oh, I can't do that either. And then you go to your local game store and you see, you know, people's models. You're like, oh, I can't do that. And you just keep telling yourself, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And what's really nice is if you get around the right people, they'll tell you that you can. And it is somewhat intimidating. But the best information I ever was taught was you are your own worst critic. If you paint the model and you, you put hard work, a lot of effort into it, and you do the best you can, then that is the best you could possibly do. And then the next model, you're going to learn from your first model, you know what, I could have painted that a little bit better. And then you learn and apply, and your second model is better. And then you rinse and wash and repeat that, and by the time you get to your you know 20th Stormtrooper, 50th Space Marine, whatever models you're painting, you are 50 times better. 20 times better however many things you're painting you're always going to get better because you're learning as you go and if someone is a jerk and picks up your space marine and looks at their butt cheeks and goes you didn't paint this left butt cheek properly or you didn't paint underneath the elbow okay first of all i would show them the underside of my elbow (laughs) (laughs) yeah like that's not a helpful criticism that's just someone being fussy but yeah, I think I think everyone's intimidated. But like I said, that that statement, that challenge to me, where you don't know, you mm-hmm. can't t- you can't tell yourself that you're terrible at painting because you don't know. That changed my entire life forever because that drove me to actually. I'm a curious person, so now I want to see: Am I mm-hmm. as bad as I think I thought I was? <laughs> uh, notation: I'm not. But yeah. like that that drove me to test that theory because, and it actually challenged a lot of different theories I had. Because it's like, I actually don't know. I have no idea how good or bad I am. And the good part is, uh, when you first start, even if you are bad, there's still people who can help you. So you're never actually really as terrible as you think. You just don't have the experience. Yeah. So three more questions, and then we'll be getting out of here, moving on to Game of the Week, getting it wrapped up. Okay. Next question is, what technique do you use the most? Or do you find yourself using the most? Ooh. Oh. Oh. Gonna have to let me put you on hold. Do 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 do. So I think the most common is there any other uh, part of that question other than technique? Because I want to make sure I'm I'm talking about the right. Okay. It just says what is the technique you use the most? Yeah. So I'm gonna quantify what I I think is a technique so that if I'm wrong, we can come back to it later in a future episode. So in my brain. I feel that a technique is something outside of your traditional like base coating and shading. So right. we're going to talk about like edge highlighting, zenithal, object source lighting, NMM, non-metallic metal, basically something that has a cool and fancy name that you want to put on a t-shirt because mm-hmm. you don't really want to wear a t-shirt that says, I base coat. Okay. <laughs> I would wear cool. that. I would. <laughs> but a lot of people want to wear a t-shirt that says, I zenithal prime. Oh my God. What is that? <laughs> I'm intimidated. So, like, as as funny as it is, that's how I perceive a a technical okay, type yeah. of paint. So, um, the the thing I do the most for me personally is going to be edge highlighting. Yeah, because like OSL and Zenithal Prime is I, I personally I'm a storyteller by nature. I like to save that for like centerpieces or something really important. So when you see that object source lighting, so like for example, I have a I have a lizardman 
who is a, a spellcaster wizard. And he's carrying these orbs. And so in these orbs is supposed to be this ethereal magic energy that is like a part of their life source. And they use it to cast these abysmal spells to crush their opponent and resurrect their allies. So like, I want that model to have a little bit of a glow because it's supposed to look super cool. And it's a, it's a big centerpiece model on my, in my army. I don't really care if my, you know, 200 regular models have any kind of special effect because they're, they're troops. Now, okay. if, if I ever wanted to go like super hardcore and go crazy, I, I'm fine with that. But realistically, you're going to look at my troops in the giant blob there and go, hey, that's cool. And then you're going to look at this model that has this glowing orb of life and death. And you go, oh, hey, that's neat. So mo more often than not, I'm doing edge highlighting more than any other technical effect because like NMM, non-metallic metal, again, I'm trying to make, it's kind of like a special thing. You, you do it for like anniversaries and special occasions because you don't want everything to have that effect because then in my opinion, it loses some of its luster. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen it a little bit. I'm not saying anything bad about anybody who's painted it recently and I'm not saying yeah. anything bad about the people I've seen do it. I've seen it too much. Well, is yeah. it a thing where, like, so to speak, by overusing it, it gets lost because everything has it, so you don't notice it? Yeah, that's my of. opinion. That's that's how I feel because I've opinion, seen yeah. people do it, and nothing stands out particularly. Now, I'll say the whole army looks fantastic. Like, woo! That's impressive. Yeah, but it's cool. Yeah, it's, it's my just... personal style. And I think most people's personal style is I want my army, majority of my army to look really good. And then I want these like standout, jaw-dropping, mind-blowing centerpieces that you are just super impressed by. So again, apples and oranges. Neither is right, neither is wrong. But my personal ecosystem is I want like my leader and my scary character to be unfathomably well-painted. And then everything else, you know, it looks good. Good enough. <laughs> yeah. All right. Not to cut you off, but I want to get through these last couple questions and then sure. out of the podcast at that point. <laughs> I have a follow-up question to this question. So okay. sure. Sure. Well, I'm actually going to switch them around. So you'll have to oh. hold your follow-up question for a second. Uh, <laughs> what was your biggest nemesis while painting myself? Yes. <laughs> I was my biggest nemesis. I was constantly in my head. I was constantly afraid. I was constantly talking myself down. I was just always the, I was I was my own negative Nancy. Everyone is their own worst enemy. Tell me about it. And then to go to the game shop after painting your models and having your yeah. friends be like, that sucks. Yeah, that's rough, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm no, sorry. I feel that. I feel yeah. that. And then the last question of the night. Well, next to last question. Is Actually, Steve has can, a I, question. can I amend oh. that statement one, oh, yeah, one yeah, bit yeah, yeah. real fast? Because I, I, I can hear people going, oh, well, that's a cop-out answer. I oh, think <laughs> I think the intent of that question was more in the technical sense of what was the scariest thing in terms of like the painting aspect. Putting paint on a miniature. Yeah. So the the what was the question again exactly? What was the what was what's your nemesis? biggest nemesis? Yes. Okay. So I'm I'm going to add a, into that question. What was my biggest nemesis in the painting realm, not just the entire hobby realm? So my my biggest nemesis in painting was brush control. When I first started, I was really overly aggressive with my pressure on the brushes, yep. and I flayed them out, and I was buying brushes by the week. And oh, it, it, took me, it took me a long time to learn that applying pressure to a brush does not improve the flow of the paint. It actually degrades the flow and the overall look and feel. Because my, my first models look like dog poo-poo. 
and you can insert that word with whatever you know you want. Yeah. But it was like there were brush strokes, and my model looked like I had like licked it, and it was just <laughs> uneven paint, and it, it just looked terrible. And of course, I'm just like, I don't get it. What am I doing wrong? And someone, you know, I show them. They're like, Show me how you paint. Here's here's a fresh model. Paint this. And I'm painting it. And they just and they go, Okay, stop, stop, stop. You're applying way too much pressure. You're way too aggressive. You're just you're trying to slap. You're you're not even trying to paint. You're trying to just like literally slap paint onto this model. Mm-hmm. You have to have smooth brush strokes. You have to have patience. You have to have control. You have to learn that the brush is an extension of your body, not just like a knife that you're slapping jam onto toast. Like, get on there. Yeah, I I learned that. Um, funny, I had that lesson when I was really young. My mother was always a big painter, not necessarily of minis, but she was always like acrylic on canvas or yeah. um, watercolor. And so she was always like, here, you need to learn how to paint. And so my ex- a lot of my experience from where I really cut my teeth was watercolor painting. And so I learned that at a young age, which is interesting to hear somebody who had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> it got expensive real fast. I would imagine, especially, you know, you hang out in the wrong place and you end up buying those game workshop brushes and you're just sitting there going, well, there's $10. Wow. Oh, I like some of those brushes, mister. Hey, I don't mind them, but I think it's a little excessive when I can go to Michael's and get the same brush for a dollar. Tool, tools in the toolbox. It's what, what you're comfortable with. Anyways, uh, last question, maybe one after that. Is there such a thing as too much Nuln oil? Okay, and my question to follow this up is what the heck is Nuln oil? <laughs> that is one of those lovely washes that come out way back in the day. I need you to make that as a shirt and I'll buy like 10 of them what the heck is a null oil (laughs) (laughs) uh so uh, the the question posed is yes technically there is too much of null oil because technically if you just kept dipping the model over and over and over (laughs) for an inordinate amount of time you would just have a black model however i think the the heart and intensity of the question is not that so there's there's too much null oil when you can't see the details that's Mm -hmm. like the fundamental answer and Unless you're answer, going for that. That's true. If you're, if you're going for that look, then that's fine. But the problem is, even still, you, you should have just painted it black and then just done a dry brush at that point. Because you're, you're yeah. spending a lot of money on Nuln Oil for no reason. And then to rubber band, what is a Nuln Oil? So Nuln Oil is a black wash that is basically... Uh, think about the ink in your pen. And then think about if you added like three times as much water to one time ink. And so then... You slap it onto your model, and that black, crisp color seeps into the crevices of your model. And then when it dries, you have very rigid and sharp, defined lines. <laughs> that is what null oil is. It is lovingly called talent in a bottle for that exact reason, because you can take a model, prime it. So well, we're going to go back to a space marine. Woohoo! You prime it in blue. Huzzah! Then you dab it. You just you wash it in null oil. And then instantaneously, you've got a high tone, a mid tone, and a low tone. So all you have to really do is paint the gun, maybe the Aquila on the chest, and you've got a pretty good-looking model because you can see the depths and the crevices, and the armor is all blue, so you're already done with that. So now you're just picking out small minor details, and you're done. Cool. Okay. All right. Well, I have learned a hell of a lot. I have a question for you because I've been searching for it, and I can't remember what it's called. Sure, yeah. Games Workshop makes a... I'll say it's a a technical layer um, that is... It dries like wet blood, and I can't remember what it actually is. Blood for the blood god. 
Is that what it's called? Yes. Okay. I got to pick up a bottle of that. I had to remember what it was called. Covered, fam. <laughs> I love that stuff. I painted an entire chaos. I'll call it a dreadnought, but it's not a dreadnought. One of the, yeah, one of those things. Uh, I painted a whole chaos thing and it had all these bones and stuff sticking out. Everything got nice. a coat of that blood and it was gorgeous. And I'd love to have more of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm worthless at geography, but I know things about paint. Yeah. So, so don't hire me to be your cartographer. Because I'm going to take us straight to the nearest hamburger shop. Well, on that note, I think we move into a very <laughs> rapid-fire game of the week. Woohoo! Game of the week! Game of the week! Game of the week! All right. Uh, Sugi, you remember how game of the week works. You pick a uh, game. Yeah. You shout it yeah. out. Yeah. I will do do a quick, like, elevator pitch refresher because i i remember the fundamentals but i don't want to sound like an idiot you just want to hear us one of us do one and then you whatever sure, do it that way sure. yeah sure. okay we can do it that way too do you want to go or you want me to go steve yep yep i'll go okay i have a game that's a pdf for all of a dollar it is a osr game called grok <laughs> grok is an adventure role-playing game where you assume the role of an adventurer in a gonzo world of boundless possibilities and use your ingenuity and resourcefulness to overcome strange and perilous threats. <laughs> and this is spelled G-R-O-K question mark exclamation point. Yes. Okay, I was going to say, <laughs> please tell me there's the, uh, like the Tim Allen. The... Yeah. Love it. it. It's a dollar. It looks goofy and wild and reminds me of those um, Ralph Bakshi cartoons and all the weird stuff of the 70s. My spoon is too big. It has maybe a little bit of an acid fantasy kind of thing to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> acid fantasy. That's it. Hooray. All right. Think you got the pitch? I think I've got the pitch. So we're talking about a game, what it is, a little nutshell elevator pitch of it. Yep. Yep. Okay. So game of the week for me is a skirmish game called Kill Team. You have a small group of models in a skirmish environment where you're playing a 30-minute game where you're trying to kill your opponent and score objectives. The price point is dependent on which box you want to buy. It's a Games Workshop game. And I think this is one of the most fantastical ways to get into miniature hobby because you don't need much more than one or two boxes of models. It's a short game. It's easy to play. It's easy to paint. And uh, it's a really, really fun romp because you can play quite a few games in an hour. You know, I think you just might know a little bit about Kill Team. Minor, minor details. <laughs> No, but it's, I've honestly, I've I've gone round and round in my head about it. I uh, would numerous if, occasions. If you ever want to get into Kill Team, you let me know because I would get into Kill Team. I'm not going to get into 40k proper, but I'll get into Kill Team. Well, they've they've been just doing so much work on it, and now they they just announced. So again, this is a Games Workshop property. Uh, they just announced the roadmap for 2023. It looks amazing. The next box set that comes out, so it goes on pre-order this Saturday, and it comes out in stores the Saturday after. Uh, we're playing in a, we're fighting in the Space Hulk. So there's oh, tons sweet. Of, yeah, we're, there's so it's Kroot versus Imperial Navy. So basically Imperial Guard and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. all new sculpts looks amazing. They also introduced my favorite my favorite faction. So they're bringing back the Geller Pox Infected and the Star Striders from Kill Team twenty eighteen from that Rogue Trader box set. And those are my like two of my favorite armies in the whole world because one of them is humans with guns and a pet doggo. And the other one is a bunch of big fat dudes who are decrepit because they worship Nurgle and bugs. And oh, so exciting. 
ooh, they have two worlds and craft yeah. worlds and ooh, yeah. But, but that's the big selling point for Kill Team. That's why I love it is if you don't want to get into Warhammer 40,000, you can get into the universe because you can just buy a box game. And if you buy one of the pre-built ones that comes with all the rules and everything, it's 200 bucks. But if you split it with a friend, it's 100 bucks, And so you get a full army, full core rulebook, full box of terrain. Basically, you, for that price point, you literally get everything you need to play for the rest of your life, minus paint. And okay. that's, that's pretty darn good if we're looking at like cost to ratio now, or what, what's the word I'm looking for? Return on investment. There you go. Love me some good ROI. All right, yep. Steve, what do you got? All right. I found a game called Camp Karate. Aha, I looked at this and passed it by. <laughs> it's um, it's a little, oh, what is it? About a 20-page RPG PDF will set you back all of four ninety five. And um, I'm going to guess, just looking at this, that is this is a Karate Kid game with the numbers filed off. Oh, probably. Because, um, well, it's a game about conflict, passion, friendship, adversity, overcoming odds, etc., so on all under the summer sun and you choose your dojo and there is Viper Kai karate and Sakura do karate. I mm-hmm. think I'm pronouncing that somewhere close to right. Probably not. No, but yeah, it's, it's, it's small. It's simple, but looks like you could have a lot of fun with it. You know, it seems to be more narratively focused, unique rule system designed for theater of the mind kind of troop style play, you know, looks pretty simple. You know, it's all about imagination. So it's, it's called Camp Karate. That sounds fun. Yeah, it does sound like a lot of fun. With all that imagination being said, Sugi, is there anything you'd like to plug at this time? Uh, so I, I used to have a podcast called Squat Tactica. It was a Kill Team podcast. Uh, it's on hiatus because, like I said, I'm I'm working really, really hard on running a business and I'm still doing a second business, I guess, essentially with editing. So um, not technically anything in particular. I do want to plug the listeners, uh, anyone who's listening. Thank you so very much. I, I just really, really want to reinforce like you as a hobbyist are the most important thing. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. Don't let anyone tell you what to believe or want. Like find that model you love, run with it because that's going, if, if you're on the fence, because I know a lot of people are constantly jockeying between you know, it's really expensive. It's really time consuming. You know, someone told me this, someone told me that you can start painting right now for $35. You can go to your local games workshop store, your local friendly, friendly, friendly local game store, Amazon, whatever. There is a, a kit that has models, paintbrush and paints for 35 bucks MSRP. So I'm sure you, you know, can find it even cheaper anybody can start painting right now and that that's just in the games workshop games workshop ecosystem i know that other companies have similar get start collecting boxes where you can get a model and a brush and some paints for a very very low cost so if you're really on the fence and you're like i I just don't know if i can do it save up 35 bucks or whatever other company offers are just do it just just pull the trigger and make it happen because you'll have a lot of fun if you're not interested in this, then then don't do that. But like for people who are on the fence, like I really want to try it, but I don't really know. Just just do it because I guarantee you'll have a lot of fun. And like I said earlier, if you're like I just I don't have the money, I can't. I I mean I was a college student once. There was a time where I could not afford the hobby. Find if you can a local official Warhammer or Games Workshop store 
go to that store and tell them I'm brand new. I've never done this. I don't know what I'm doing. I want to try a painting demo and you can paint a model for free. I am not joking. It doesn't cost you anything but time. They've got everything there. Zero dollars. And then on top of that, you've got the model of the month that comes out at the start of every Saturday or whatever the weekend, you know, check out your local game store for how their policies work or whatever. But you can go to that store and get a model for free. So you can easily get into the hobby for zero dollars or at least try it. So, you know, what are you waiting for? Sounds cool to me. Yeah. And with all that said, links to everything are in the show notes. Patreon, Discord, Facebook, Twitter, all those fun things are down there as well. I want to thank everyone for listening and remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and paint some minis. Yeah, paint minis, paint more minis. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, take care, (laughs) y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast. On Discord at Me and Steve RPGs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. Whew. That was a long one. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I was trying to get wrapped up. Oh. I'm not trying to keep you all night. I know you're. I'm so, I'm sorry. I, I'm long-winded, but thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> no, no, I, you're fine. I just, I didn't want to, you know, uh, your time's precious too. So <laughs> yeah, I just felt I'm, bad. I said I was going to shut up and then I talked half the freaking show. I'm actually glad you did. I really am. Yeah. You asked all the right gone, questions. Cause... We've gone back and forth on this for a while. So I, I, I think, I think hopefully maybe you'll, you'll give a drive down to your local games workshop store and try it for zero cost. So. I have two things to two things to say before I get out of here. Um, what I used as a dry, what I used as a dry palette for a long time would make a lot of people cry. I had had a friend pick me up a steel sole steel sole keg protector from Adepticon. Oh, and uh, I never assembled it. It sat in the package, and I used it as a dry palette. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was the Adepticon exclusive that year. Oh. <laughs> I'm so jealous I didn't get that. Yeah, yeah. I, know I still have about. it. It's still at my parents' house in a drawer. Oh, nice. Um, don't, covered don't get in rid paint. of that. Yeah. Covered in paint. But yeah, um, it, there's no reason to get rid of it because uh, we're uh, Privateer Press sucks and has listed all of their exclusives on their website for a price. Womp. Yeah. And do you remember a game, and I, I don't know if this ever came around you, called Drop Zone Commander? I do. Is it still popular? No. Didn't think so. Pretty I sure remember that, game that being really cool. I, yeah. I don't think it's dead dead, but I remember it being really cool and everybody liking it. And I was like, this is neat. I don't like how small the minis are. <laughs> I think I should quantify that statement. I think it's dead in comparison to where it was. Oh, probably. Oh, probably. Most definitely. There you go. Or Chick-fil-A on Sundays. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sad. I'm so sad what you just said. <laughs>
you're like knocking on the door. Hello, are you open? <laughs> I would like some chicken, please. Yeah, <laughs> do you guys sell a Big Mac? <laughs> I just go to churches. 